This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are back today. We are going to be talking about how you can look at the context of Scripture correctly. Yeah, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. People it misinterpret is. the Bible all the time, and it's usually what I like to call. You ready for my technical phrase? Oh, I'm ready. Laziness. Oh wow, <laughs> it's That's called good. laziness. It's called oh, I just uh, look at this verse. No, it must mean that to my life because that's right. what I think. <laughs> no, we got to be careful with how we read the Bible. Yes, that's true. And now, newsflash for you: we all do this. It's one time or another, right? Oh, yeah. We all, I myself have taken passages out of context before, but the key what? is, I know, shocking, right? No. I, I know. <laughs> That's great. Sorry. Right, right. I mean, of course, we would be flawless. I mean, we're giving you all this perfect yeah, information right? on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we've never learned anything. We just were there no, all no. the time. No, no. God Whatever. directly revealed this to me. Oh, geez. So, like, Get I, out of I'm, here. I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> Yeah. All right. But anyway, yeah, super excited to get into this with you today. But yep. first, if but, you don't, well, hey, if you don't know yeah. us, I'm Robbie Lashua and this is Tyler Hurley. Yes, of course. We're I need to hosts. introduce us. Yeah, that's right. all right. We're hosts here on Christ Culture and Coffee. We thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get into the context study of how do we read the Bible and study our, our Bible, coffee tip. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here is our coffee tip for the day. You ready for this? What do we got? I haven't talked to you about this yet. No, actually. I don't think okay. so. Okay, so uh, I have a friend, and he was telling me that his friend came up to him, and he said, hey, I am so excited about this new coffee I got because it is going to be extremely fresh since it is single-origin coffee. And my mm. friend said, what are you talking about? Like, what? Do, why do you think single-origin coffee is going to be super fresh? And the guy said, well, it has to be fresh if you think about it because all the beans are from one place. They're single-origin beans. Therefore, mm. they must be fresher. Now, this is a complete misunderstanding of how freshness works with coffee. Huh. Um, th- there, there are a couple of different types of, of ways they make uh, coffee or, or the types of beans that they use, right? There's Arabica and there's Robusta. We've talked yeah, about yeah, that yeah, before. That's right. There's a different species of coffee plant. But single origin, it does mean all those coffee beans are from the same place, right? They're all from Colombia. Yeah, Or they're that's all right. from Sumatra. And that's why um, a lot of... A lot of uh, Bags of coffee will tell you where it's from. Like, it's from this place. Yeah. It's from this place. But then you'll have coffees that are blends, mm-hmm. and they blend different coffees from different parts of the world together to make different flavor profiles. Hmm. But being single origin doesn't mean it's fresher. The, what what makes coffee fresh is how long it's been since they roasted the coffee. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so this guy, he, he didn't have that concept. He thought, oh, single origin must make it fresher. It doesn't. What really matters is how long ago they roasted it. That's, because that's what I was thinking. They pack green coffee yeah. and ship it, and then it sits in warehouses or wherever until they roast it. Exactly. There and you go. And that's, that's what you want to get as yeah. close to as you can, closest to the roast date. Okay, that's what possible. I was thinking because I'm like, yeah. you know, if it just came from, um, one place that doesn't mean it's fresh because no. it all it all shipped over I mean, as for green all, as green coffee it's yeah. not roasted I mean just... for all you know what about what about when you go to like the grocery store right and you mm-hmm. got like the, the coffee gr- bean aisle yeah and you got a whole shelf that has single origin coffee mm-hmm. beans in it what about the ones at the back of the shelf that have been there longer you know that yeah. t- are taken last they, sure. that's what I'm saying like like how can you determine when they were taken so it's about the roast is what it's you're about saying the, yeah the it's roast. about when they roasted it and that's why yes for the freshest coffee you typically should look for local roasteries 
because okay. they roast it close to you, which means it doesn't have to get shipped and take a few days. So oh, okay. does that make sense? That makes so much more yeah, sense. So yeah, so the closer to the roast date you can get, the better. And that's why if you go to local roasteries, <laughs> whoa, or even to like um, uh, uh, Safeway or Bashes or Fries, a lot of times they'll have like local roasted coffee there, and it'll have a roasted on date on the bag. Okay. They show yeah, you yeah, that yeah, because yeah. they want good. you to know how fresh it is. Whereas some of these big time uh, coffee bags, they don't really do that. They'll say best before. Yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, that's not the same as yeah, when it was roasted. Yeah. <laughs> so so don't get confused with single origin and roast date for freshness of okay, coffee. Okay, well, well that the makes... single origin yeah. doesn't make a difference in how fresh it is. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So I've actually had it personally experienced where I've gone places where they had their own local roast, but okay. I'm like, it's not... That destination in itself was not known for their coffee. Like, uh, like we've had really good coffee before in Utah. Uh, yeah. And uh, but then I'm thinking, I'm like, why? What makes this so much better mm -hmm. than other places? Because they're clearly like, I mean, it's Utah. They don't grow any coffee no, there. There's no coffee <laughs> yeah. grown there. Yeah, yeah. But they roasted it there. Yeah, exactly. That's so the difference. That's the key. So like any place that I've gone to and I've had it locally roasted, it has tasted better, and I've noticed Always. that. Oh yeah. I've yeah. noticed that, and I, I've never really knew why. But now what you've said makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yep. So, so for freshness, yeah. roast date. So really, is the, the key. roast is all about. I mean, really, the, the, having a good cup of coffee is all about the roast. That's the key to it. Yeah. Well, I'm not ruining it when you make it. Well, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Operator yeah, yeah. error, of course, does play into it. But no, absolutely. That's that's the deal. Wow. That's when it was roasted. Yeah. Well, that is a really good coffee tip. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Let's talk about. Okay. So yes. a lot of people who listen to our podcast are Christians. Uh, some aren't, but but the Christians mm -hmm. want to know, how do I study scripture well? How do I read my Bible well? How mm -hmm. can I understand what is being said? And when you start to study scripture, there's a lot of stuff that you have to take into account. Because um, yeah. you're studying a book that the newest parts of it are 2,000 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. So you have a chronological distance from the authors when they wrote it. But in addition to chronology, you also have a cultural difference. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so you you have bridges to build to understand what they're saying when they said it. Yeah, that's right. And the, well, the key here is context, right? That's what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's one today. of the big things about it. Context. Yeah, what yeah. is context, and how do we come to understand the context of passages when we're studying? It? Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, something that we've said quite a bit on the show before, and that you may have heard other apologists say, is you should never read a Bible verse. Mm -hmm without reading the rest of the context around it. You got to yeah. read the passage, the whole paragraph. Uh, one short, easy example of this that people take out of context a lot or they stop is uh, judge not, right? Yeah, don't but, judge me. But it Only God can if you finish me. the verse, it says judge not lest you be judged, mm -hmm. right? So so there's context there. Mm -hmm. So so that's something that you really have to take into account when you're whenever you're studying any passage in scripture. Yeah, and then a little while later in that passage Jesus says for us to make accurate judgments. Yeah. So he is telling us to judge. Exactly. Whoa. It's it's actually Whoa, a commandment to judge. It is. Shocker, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, but you wouldn't you know. know that <laughs> if you only read one Bible verse, Exactly, right? and yes. And that's, that's a huge problem. So the context, you need to read. I've also heard people put it this way. It's easier to remember. They'll say, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, yeah. you need to think about what is this therefore and go and read what just preceded it. Yeah, why is Because it's therefore, saying therefore, therefore based on that other stuff I just said. Yeah. Well, then you probably should know the other stuff they just said, right? Yeah. 
So yeah, it, exactly. it is really important. Yeah, never read a Bible verse. Read the context of what's before and after it. Yeah, and you also want to make sure you know who the book was written to, right? That That's exactly that's huge. in the context of it. We need to know the audience. That's, that's a part of what Robbie was talking about, about bridging those cultural gaps, right? Mm-hmm. You have to figure out who the audience was. And by doing that, I think you you would have to understand mm-hmm. what the culture was like at the time, 2,000 years ago when these passages were written. Well, there's beauty in doing that too. You get yeah, a richer yeah. understanding of things. Like for instance, I was just, I was thinking of one of these things. Is mm. Who's the book written to? So the book of Philippians is written to who? Philippians. The Philippians, yeah. good job. Yeah, to the Philippians. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So there the people, the Christian church at Philippi, okay, which is the first yeah. place they went to witness to Europeans ever. That's right, yeah. So this is really important. Uh, Philippi, at the time of Paul being there, it was a Roman province. In uh, It's in Macedonia, uh, so it's not in Italy at all. It's way far away from Italy. Right. I think it's, yeah. in, I think it's modern-day Turkey. I could be wrong. That, that's what I heard. But I'm pretty sure that's where it is. So it's far away from – but they, they counted the soil as <coughs> Roman soil. So if you lived there and were a citizen of Philippi, you were a citizen of Rome. It was as good as Roman soil. It's like a consulate idea. Oh, yeah, This sure. is Roman soil. Yeah, we so what this. happened was a lot of rich people and ex-military people from Rome retired there. It's like the Fort Lauderdale. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's some good context. There you it go. is. Yeah, yeah, this is good yeah. to understand. So, so this is what's really interesting. To be a Roman citizen gave you certain privileges that the rest of the world who was governed by Rome didn't have. You couldn't be crucified. Right. Some other things with taxes. And, yeah, well, and, they were the leaders of the world at yeah. that point. So, of it course. It was a big, yeah. deal, a big deal to be a Roman citizen. So the people of Philippi had a huge um, importance on their citizenship. Citizenship was a big deal to the people in Philippi because they were Roman citizens, all right? Yeah, the elite. (laughs) Now, you know what's interesting is when you read through Philippians, notice how many times Paul says the word citizenship. He does. He says it a whole bunch. Now that you mention that. Our citizenship isn't here. Yeah. Our citizenship's better than this. It's in heaven. That meant a ton to them. Citizenship was a buzzword to the Philippians. Big deal. So he's speaking to them in context they understand, pressing buttons that were important to them to emphasize how we are citizens of heaven, not just of Rome. That's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I can think of dozens of times where he mentions citizenship in in that book. And now it makes so much sense to me. He mentions it a whole ton. And so when you understand these things and you do a little studying in the context and the historical context, uh, context of the time and the culture, you can come to understand more about it. So audience oh, is a big deal. One, one thing on audience too, I think is really important, Tyler, is you should always be asking the question, are they writing to Christians or are they writing to non-Christians? Mm. Because that makes a huge difference in how we interpret some of the theological meanings yeah, of the New Testament books. Yeah. And so uh, just to kind of get you guys into the right mindset of this, we just wanted to provide like a, a, a an example mm-hmm based off of the English language of how you can, should interpret context of what people are saying. Yeah, right? so so this is something, too, that a lot of people um, – it's, it's just – it's laziness is what it is. Yeah, and I, is. and I hate to say that, but it is. So one thing that no, Christians is. do a lot is we um, load a whole <laughs> bunch of theological baggage onto certain words when those yeah. words don't hold all of that theological baggage. Uh, And here's an example of what I want to do. So the word salvation. When I say salvation, you automatically think, go to heaven when you die, not go to hell. 
Yeah. Right? And that's what, that's what, so, that's yeah, what yeah. I think, too. And in most sermons we hear, when they say salvation or saved, that's what they mean, is go to heaven when you die, not go to hell. Yeah, that's but when, right. when you look at the Greek word for saved or salvation, so the words are soteria and sozo, uh, they don't mean that. Mm. Now, this is where it gets interesting. They mean save, deliver, keep, rescue, save from death, save from danger, deliverance. It's, it's kind of like our word save. So if, if I say Superman saved that person from a falling building, oh, you, yeah. you don't think save them from going to hell. You think he physically okay. saved them. He so, delivered them. Yeah. He rescued them. So what you're saying them. is the original word for salvation to them means the same thing as like Superman saves someone from a building. That's it just means save. Yeah. It can yeah. mean save money. Yeah. It can mean rescue somebody. It can mean save from going to hell. Yeah, yeah. But it just okay. means save. And so when we Context. read that word, we, f- we load all this baggage onto it as it means not go to hell when you die. When it just means save, and sometimes because we load all that baggage onto mm. it, we misinterpret passages that aren't using it in that way. That's right. So, That's good. so it's really important for us to understand this. And <clears throat> the way you understand it, some people think, well, let's do a word study, and we'll see all the places that this word's used in the New Testament. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then we'll go to the lexicons, and we'll see the definitions, and then we can know all that this word means. And then they make they make it mean all of the possible meanings on <laughs> yeah, one right. thing. This is called an illegitimate totality transfer. To okay. make safe mean go to heaven when you die, every place it's used is completely illegitimate. Oh yeah, right. You cannot do that. You have to, in order to understand what it's referring to, read the context. Yeah. And that's it goes great. back to context. Context is king. What does the context say? And that makes a huge difference on save from what? Yes. Save that's the from question. what? That's the question. <laughs> that's the I, I question like that a lot. we got to ask. Good. Yeah. So be careful in loading these words with your Christianese or your theological baggage. Yeah. We got to take a step back and go, okay, what does it say? Before I can before I can come to what does it mean, I need to look at it and say what does the text say? Observation is the first step of interpretation. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. And so, just to provide a, another example to get you guys yeah. in the right mindset of how this works, um, we're gonna say I'm gonna say a statement, make a statement real quick that sounds silly, but focus on the context. Okay. Yeah. I would like to cut a foot. What you is this? Would, you would like right? to cut a foot. I would like to cut a foot. Okay, okay. Now, now what what do you think I mean out of this, right? The possibilities of the context, right? That's the question. What does it mean that I would like to cut a foot? Yeah, yeah, the possibilities. Mean, well, yeah, go on. It can mean a lot of things. It can. It can yeah. mean a lot of things. Okay. Uh, it could be like, hey, maybe I'm a crazy serial killer and <laughs> I, I have a knife. and <laughs> I, I hope not. I want to cut a foot, right? I want to cut the yeah. lower part of your leg. I want to cut it. Okay? Yeah, so in that context, I want to cut a foot would mean I want to slice off your lower part of your leg. Your yeah, foot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the context of me being a serial killer holding a knife, right? Yeah, I would like to cut a foot. Yeah, that's a scary movie yeah, type yeah. thing. Okay. Sure. Or in the context of what if I was a salesperson at a fabric store? and Like, I like said, Joanne's? Yeah, like Joanne's. Okay, yeah. And I'm talking about just cutting fabric on the bottom of a sheet of fabric. And I say, why not? I want to cut a foot, meaning a foot, mm. 12 inches of fabric. Yeah, that's a different meaning than I want to slice your leg. Yeah. It means I want to cut 12 inches. Yes, yes, exactly. Because foot doesn't always mean the same thing. No, it doesn't. It does not. How do we determine what it means? 
well, that's context. Context, right? there exactly. it is. Context, yeah. yeah. And, and then likewise, too, you could even think of uh, like, like if you're laying in bed and it's kind of wobbly and you say, I want to cut a foot of the bed, like mm-hmm. to make it more even. Yeah, you understand yeah, like the context the, of that. To cut the yeah, to cut like one of the feet of yeah, the bed. Yeah, one of the yeah. feet of the bed or like a like or like a table, something like that. Like you have to think of the context of the situation mm-hmm. for what the words mean, right? So sometimes That's always what happens. So with that. Yeah. sometimes would we say that people read a Bible verse in the sense that like they could read a Bible verse and it would say I would like to cut a foot. I know the Bible doesn't say that. But they read that out of context and they conclude, "Oh, this has to do with a serial killer." But maybe it actually, in the context, has to do with a fabric store worker. Yeah. You see the yeah. danger of we've got to understand what it says around it, what the book's about, who yes. it's written to, in order to understand what one verse means. Pe- people do this all the time. It just happens with the silliest of verses. And there's people out there that I tell you, they just open a random page yeah. in like the Old Testament, New Testament, wherever, and it says like, uh, <laughs> uh, like, like, kill or something you they you just see like for example like just the word kill and mm-hmm. they they associate okay the bible endorses killing people like sure. like it's that yeah. simple people well, take words that are that simple or simple statements just like that out of context and they act it into reality yeah well and christians do this like like a couple yeah, of examples yeah christians do it you know i think about the the famous examples are um you know yeah. i can do all things through christ who strengthens oh, me oh yeah yeah all sports philippians right Guys that put that in the context, he's talking about contentment. Yeah, yeah. I can be content when I have enough. I can be content when I'm in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, right. It has nothing to do with dunking a basketball or bench pressing or, you know what I mean? Or uh, know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Yeah. yeah. So that's (laughs) Jeremiah 29, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's to Israel. (laughs) It's not to you and me. No, it's it's not. It's to Israel. So we have to to say, okay, what's the context here? What is this saying? Because one of the problems is people don't observe what it says. They just jump to what it means, and that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. But another thing is, instead of sometimes people people even really studying what does this mean, they jump to what does this mean to me, and that's application. Yeah, And so does yeah. God know what you're going to do, and does he have plans for you? Well, sure. sure he does. Yeah. But that verse isn't about that. No, because <laughs> the truth is, too, God doesn't always plan for you to prosper. Yeah, no. It's he not, actually says in this world you will have trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. by that case, if you're if you're taking that in the application sense that it applies to you, mm-hmm. then then something's wrong. Someone's wrong here. Either yeah. Jeremiah's wrong, or yeah. later on, or it's God's scripture. failed you. Yeah, or, or God's yeah. failed. It, like it has to be the fact that maybe we're just taking it out of context. But bro, when I graduated from high school, I got a whole bunch of cards that said God had a plan for me. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's Everybody crazy. was quoting Jeremiah 29. You know, it's just like, okay, we got to be careful with this because we can make bad applications based on bad interpretations because we didn't do good observation. Yeah, that's good. So we want to go through that. and we So it's important not to load terms with all your theological baggage, to load them with what you think it means. Uh, just like foot in English. The word foot can mean an appendage on the bottom of my ankle. Mm-hmm. It can mean 12 inches. It can mean, what else can it mean? Yeah, like the foot at the leg, foot like of the bed. Furniture or something. It can yeah. also mean uh, the size of a sub that's not 12 inches, by the way. They're not exactly it's 12 true. inches. I know. Uh, it can also, Subway lies to you. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> when it's conjoined with ball, when it's a compound word of football, it has. N- it doesn't mean 12 inches. No, it doesn't, it mean, doesn't mean an appendage at your foot. It, do- it doesn't mean any of those things, right? So we, we have to know the context 
Otherwise, we get confused about what's being said. Yeah. And so we yeah. want to go through an example today on the show and, and read uh, a couple of verses out of context yeah. and try to think, whoa, this sounds crazy. But then we'll read them in context to understand what's going on. Yeah. So let's look at this example. This comes from the book of Acts. And the verses we're going to read are uh, verses 20 through 23. Then we're going to go back and read all the context. But right. let's just read these, zoom in, not knowing what's going on in Acts 8. Acts 8, 20 through 23. You want to read that? Of course, yeah. So this is just a context, out of context, just a scripture. Yep. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this manner, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord to the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Whoa. Powerful stuff, that right? That sounds bad. Yeah. This is the Apostle Peter. It says Peter said. Pe- yeah, Peter said. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Let's let's think about what this says. Mm-hmm. Just, just by what we have here. Yeah. Just what I have May your silver perish with you. Yeah. Perish is a strong word. Yeah. Right? It is. Doesn't in John 3.16 it says, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not <laughs> yeah, perish, perish, but yeah. have eternal life? Is this saying perish, go to hell? Wow. Maybe. I mean, another aspect of it too, you see, he says, and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven So maybe this guy is so bad that Peter doesn't even know if he'll be so, forgiven. So, so is that like, like saying that in this context that... Sometimes that it's sometimes only only like possible that we could gain God's favor back if we screwed up. Could right? be, yeah. That's what this is implying. If you take it yep. just out of what we have here, right? Well, and repent, repent of this wickedness of yours, right? Because the intentions of your heart are bad, and you are in the bondage of iniquity. Yeah, that's strong when, stuff. When you read this, you go, "This guy sounds like he's on his way to hell." It, that's exactly what it sounds like, right? This sounds bad. Yeah, so it's something you have to take very seriously and analyze. Yeah, so yeah. so let's just say you opened up your Bible. You know you know how you do your study. You just randomly open it and put your finger. Yeah, in. Clo- I like to particularly <laughs> close my eyes, kind of like kind of like in the movies. You know when people are like, "Where should I go on vacation?" They spin yeah. a globe and then they just pinpoint it exactly, right there. Yeah, well, it's a great yeah. way to read any book, right? You get a new book from the library and you just thumb through it and you put your finger in there and you read two sentences and you call it good for the day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, it, that's, that's how exactly we do Bible reading, how it right? goes, yeah. right? Yeah, I hope our audience understands sarcasm because that was all. Sarcasm. Wait, it it yeah. was. Well, oh no, that's yeah. really what I do. Robbie. <laughs> you went to Bible college, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <right>. Jeez. <laughs> no, we can't read the Bible like hey, that. Hey, hey, study. It. C's get degrees. That's all. Yeah, I'm that's true. At Grand Canyon, <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, so okay, let's yeah, let's yeah. think about this a little bit. Okay, this starts off verse twenty of uh, Acts eight. So let's say I, I know nothing about this chapter. I get to Acts eight twenty, and it says, "But Peter said to him." Probably should know who the him is. Yeah, that's a good question, <laughs> right? Because that might play into yeah, yeah, yeah. what what he's talking about. Well, remember, earlier we made a point that you need to know your audience. Yep. The him is the audience. Yep. We also probably should know what's the situation that prompted Peter to say this? What what happened? Yeah, is, yeah. is there a story or is this just a random saying? Exactly, because he's around? saying, may, may your silver perish with you, uh, like in saying... The way he's talking here, it sounds like something went down with money or greed, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So what's going on with that? That's the question. ask those questions. Context. Another thing that we have to do, and I think this is important, is mm. what does repent mean? Yeah. So yeah. this is an important 
Very important fact. Remember how I was saying we can't just load terms with all this theological baggage. Mm-hmm. I asked my class this on Monday night. I said, what does the word repent mean? And immediately, three people were like, it means turn around. It means turn back. It means turn from your sin. And I said, it doesn't mean any of those things. The word repentance, metanoia, means change of mind. I bet you guys didn't know that. Change of mind. (laughs) Listen, this is Martin Luther fought the Reformation over this fact. Oh, yeah. Repentance doesn't mean do penance. It means... Change your mind. It means turn around, change your mind, change flip your, mind. your position, right? Maybe it means flip your position. It literally means change your mind. Well, yeah, exactly. So it depends. Mm-hmm. The question we got to ask is change your mind about what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like the we question. were talking earlier, save from what? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So sometimes, and there's some places where this word means change your mind about who Jesus is, trust in him, and you'll be saved to go to heaven and not go to hell. But everywhere (laughs) this word is used, it doesn't mean that. And when it means that, it explains that that's what it means. So let's look at an example of where we think the word repent means believe in Jesus and get saved and not go to hell. Mm -hmm. You want to read this? It's Acts 2, verse 38. Yes, it says, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's let's change the word repent to say change your mind. So what is he saying? Change your mind, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so change your mind about who Jesus is. Yeah. Believe in Jesus, right? Yeah. People say belief, change your mind is a synonymous kind of thing. And... Then what will result? Forgiveness of sin, hmm. and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's like a justification, salvation thing. Yeah, yeah. This is what happens when you trust in Christ and you get, how we say, saved. Yeah, and that's right? a position that you have to be in by changing your mind, because you're either you either in the, the camp of, I don't believe that he is a savior, right? Yep. Or I do. And I so, change my so, mind about the things Peter's preaching. Yes, yes. And I believe in Jesus, and then I'm forgiven, and I receive the Holy Spirit. So this is interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that passage probably is referring to repent in the sense of get saved and not go to hell. Yes. But it only means change your mind. And that passage tells us what the change of mind results in. This context determines that change of mind is for getting saved justification, right? Going to heaven when Mm -hmm. we die. But is that what is being said in Acts chapter 8? Well, let's find out. We got to find out. So in order to find out what is being said here by Peter in Acts 8, this strong rebuke, we got to go read it in context. So let's read what's before it and after it, and we'll make comments as we go through. So the the story picks up in Acts 8 verse 9. So we started in 20, (laughs) but actually 11 verses earlier is when the story starts. You think that's going to provide some context? I think it will provide some (laughs) context. It actually even tells us where they are. Um, Mm. It's it's fascinating. So, all right, Tyler, why don't you start reading Acts 8 verses 9 through 24. Yeah, Yeah, and we're going to interrupt a couple times throughout this just to provide explanations here. Context. Context, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, again, this is Acts 8, 9 through 24. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished 
them with his magic arts. Okay, so context. We're not in Israel. Right. We're in Samaria. Yeah. And there's this guy named Simon the Magician. And he was wowing people with his magic arts. It doesn't say he was demon-possessed and he was doing magic. Could have been. He could have been, but it doesn't say that, yeah. It doesn't say that he was just like a good trickster either, though. So we don't know true. what the source of his power was, whether he was just really good at manipulation or whether he was demon-influenced. We don't know. Right. But people thought he was great, and they called him the great power of God. So you think this guy, he's liking his life. He's famous. <laughs> yeah, right? Things right? are going good, He's right? living his life. That's People <laughs> revere him and they glory glorify him, right? And they were coming to him because he astonished them. Right, yeah. Okay, so that's going on in Samaria. Then something crazy happens. Okay, Keep going. Yeah. Read verse 12. Yep, picking up in verse 12. But when they believe Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed... And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip, sorry, and as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Okay, time out. So there's this magician in Samaria, Mm -hmm. and he's wowing everybody with his magic arts. Philip the evangelist comes, preaches the gospel in Samaria, a whole bunch of people believe and get baptized, and then Luke, who wrote Acts... Which, that's important, right? Luke wrote Acts. That's more context, <laughs> right? More context. There we go. Putting the pieces together. He stresses in verse 13 of chapter 8, mm-hmm. even Simon, the magician, even Simon yeah. himself believed and was baptized. And then he continued on with Philip and observed these great signs and miracles that were taking place. And the magician, who previously was called the great power of God, is constantly amazed by the actual power of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, it's a cool and that's contrast, the, That's right? the point they're trying to make. They're trying to say, look, this guy, everybody thought that he was great because yep. he had all these signs and wonders, whatever. Yep. But he, the one who amazes people, was even more amazed yes. at what was happening. Which he's going, this, right? isn't, this isn't the same thing. This isn't the same level as yeah, what yeah. I was and, doing, and that's, right? that's what he was acknowledging yes. by, by doing this, yeah. But it's important to stress, Tyler, he believed... And mm-hmm. he was baptized. Yes. So does that mean he's a Christian that or means, he's not a Christian? That means he repented, right? Ch- uh, the change, change of mind. Change of mind. If you're putting it in that uh-huh. sense, he repented in the sense that he changed his mind about That's who what Jesus that would was mean. and believed that. Well, mm-hmm. but repent can mean change your mind about other things. Oh, of course, of course. So that's why in the uh, important yeah. point, in the Gospel of John, he doesn't use the word repent one time. Right. He uses the word believe a hundred yeah. times. Uh, uh, in Acts 16.31, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Of course. So this guy believes, and we can say that means he's saved. And then he actually obeys and is... And follows in believers' baptism. Yeah, yeah, that's And then right. he continues following Philip, uh, kind of being a disciple of his, observing what he's doing. So I think we can say Simon the Magician, if we believe what the Bible says, he gets saved in Acts 8, verse 13. Luke's emphasizing he gets saved, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's now good. this ex-magician is now saved, baptized, disciple of Jesus. Let me let me keep reading what happens next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, verse 14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Mm. Now, when so, now, just a timeout. That isn't how it works today. No. Yeah, yeah, Acts yeah. is a transformational time period going from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. So we always have to ask the question, is Acts describing what happened or is it prescribing what we should do? The, the disciples tell That's us good. nowhere in the New Testament uh, – to lay hands on people so they'll receive the Holy Spirit. No, no. Um, that people receive the Holy Spirit when they believe in Jesus. Exactly. No, that, that's a good clarification. Glad yeah, you brought that up. Yeah, but what God is doing here is he's showing the Samaritans yeah. that these Jewish men have a powerful right. authority. Again, context. Yes, context. Yeah. Credibility for yeah. the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church. So that's right. what's going on here. So they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, mm-hmm. when Simon the magician saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the hands of one of the apostles, Mm -hmm. he offered the apostles money, saying, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, look at that. That's an interesting little tidbit, right? so, So yeah, so just to pause again... Clearly, we can see now what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Simon was trying to buy the power of the Holy Spirit because he wanted to, to be that magician again, right? He yeah. wa- clearly, what he's saying here is he wants to take the claim of God's power for himself. Maybe, yeah. And he, use his credit. Because you, yeah. could, you could read it as he just wants to do and help people, but it seems like, no, he's trying to pay well, for this magic power. Yeah, well, of course, because other people weren't having to pay for it. No, no, well, no, no. I don't think he's asking to pay for them to give him the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's they're paying to have. He him says, "I want that power to lay to my it, hands yeah. on other people." Exactly. That's what he says, right? Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So he's asking, "I want your apostolic authority." That's exactly what he's. Asking I want for. to have the power you have, so I can do the magic you're doing. There we go. Right. Okay. And now I'll that's pay, and I'll pay you. I'll pay you for it, man. I'm not just. <laughs> right? I'm not asking yeah. for a freebie here. Like I'll pay you for this. Yeah. Then Peter's rebuke comes in. So what is? Oh. Let's look at what the, verse twenty, right? <clears throat> but Peter said to him, "May your silver perish with you, hmm. because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God." Okay, let's stop right there. When he says, you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, is he talking about the same gift of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Mm. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No, He's not talking no, no, about no, 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 the no. gift of eternal life. He's talking about the gift of laying hands on people <laughs> yeah. and giving them the Holy Spirit. Does it make sense? That's exactly. Do you see how people they load these words and phrases with what they want them to mean instead of looking at the context of what's being said? Yeah, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal because Mm -hmm. you could, if if you're reading it that way, you would say, well, what this means is he's trying to buy eternal life from Peter. Yeah. That's what it, that's but he already believed, he already mm-hmm. was baptized, and what he's trying to buy is the power to lay his hands on other people and give them the Holy Spirit. The gift of yeah. laying his hands well, on well, people. Well, that's exactly it. Peter is rebuking him clearly yes. because he's saying, this is messed up, this is horrible. You yeah. shouldn't do that Yes, because it is bad to try to buy God's power. Yes, and then he goes on and explains a little more. Let me keep reading. Yeah, He says, you have no part or portion in this matter. Because your heart's not right before God. Mm. You're not doing this with good motives. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Like yeah. You just want to be glorified. You want to be powerful again. 
He goes on. He says, therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours mm. and pray that the Lord, to the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Okay. So repent of this wickedness. Yeah. What does this wickedness refer to? What is the... Okay, now we're getting into grammar. Right. What's the antecedent of this? <laughs> what is this referring well, to? Well, looking at it, I think it's clear that he's referring to his hunger and thirst to use God's power for himself, for his glory. Yeah. That's what it looks like. That's what it's referring to. That's the yeah. context. You see, so you could take this and say, repent of of, of your wicked heart and your depravity sure. and the horrible sinner that you are so that you believe in the grace of Jesus. Well, that's not well, what it's talking about. No, it's not. Because the key here is, too, we got to remember what he's saying to him. Again, the term, if possible, the intention of your heart <laughs> might be forgiven to you. That that's would a scary thing. That would contradict everything that they were talking about in the Gospels about the possibility of you losing your yeah. salvation, right? Pray and ask for forgiveness, and if possible, maybe you'll get saved. Right? Yeah, that, that's, that's a crazy so, idea. No, and that would contradict everything that they were saying before that. Yeah. So, so clearly that's not what they're talking about here, right? They can't be yeah, talking about can. getting into heaven when you die. No, that's a, of Because we know from a lot of other scriptures that you believe in Jesus. Well, you know what's interesting? And they said is, he was already a Christian. Yeah, That's he's already said, a Christian, yeah. and he's baptized, and he's a follower. Yeah. So the other thing that I think is fascinating is uh, two two chapters later, um, Cornelius gets saved, <laughs> and Peter tells him, and and this group of people that he gets together. Cornelius is a non uh, Jew. He's Roman right, right. centurion, and he tells him, "Believe in this, and you'll be saved." Yeah. So that's right. This is the same Peter, right? So he's not he, he's not talking about oh hey hopefully I don't know maybe God will forgive you but we'll we'll see if that's possible but here he does okay why does he say if possible that God will forgive that's you the, the intention question. of your heart and then yeah. he says I see that you're stuck in this gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity you have you still as a Christian believer yeah. who's baptized you still got issues bro. That's what and he's you, saying. you're not understanding all the theology. And yes. have you... Okay, let me ask you a question. Have yeah. you seen people get saved and then they still struggle with uh, <laughs> sin that they had in their life? Uh, yeah. The majority of people I see get saved continue to struggle with sin that they had in their life. Like, sometimes yeah. you hear about people who are like, I was a drug addict, I believe in Jesus, and then immediately I wasn't addicted to cocaine anymore. And that happens. That happens. Rarely, though. It rare, does happen. But it does happen. But by yeah. and large, what happens is people get saved... And they're the same person, yeah, uh, with with same struggles. But the difference is now they have the power of Jesus in them. Yeah, Baby yeah. Christians need to grow and mature. Yeah, they've got a new a new motivation. Yeah, they've got help. Yep, but they're still the same person. That's the yes. key, right? Yes, and they struggle. Yeah, and we continue to struggle. But that's what discipleship is for. That's what sanctification is for. It's to grow to be like Jesus. Yeah, because and that takes time. Everybody knows that that people are on different levels spiritually of where they're at. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows this, but but at the same time, I would hope that everyone knows too that isn't an authoritative of where you at spiritually of your salvation, right? No, That's because I'm pretty sure my salvation isn't dependent on my works. I'm exactly. pretty sure it's dependent on Jesus' works. Yes, yes, and it becomes a work when you base your salvation off of how good you are spiritually. Yep. That's a work. It is. That's a work, and it also becomes a work of you basing your salvation off of where your heart is and mm -hmm. what you're after in yep. your life, right? Yep. It's just true. It is. And so yep. the it context is. of the gospel, it matters. 
matters here. It really matters. And Peter isn't talking to him about how to get saved. He's talking to him about how to live as a Christian. Well, that's the key. If he was talking to him about salvation and baptism, and then he's like throwing in these terms like, you need to repent if the possibility of you forgiveness, like that'd be a big deal. Yeah. But that's not what's happening here. But what does he say? Repent of this wickedness. So change your mind about this horrible motive and idea you have about buying the power of God. Yeah. Because you want to be known again as the mighty power <laughs> yeah. of God. That's what he's saying. This is the, is. This is the context. So we, we have to look at it and study it. But you could just read those few verses of Peter's rebuke and go, oh, man, this guy's not saved. Wait a second. He is actually. He, yeah. It also informs us to maybe there's times where we need to rebuke other Christians who are not living the way that they should. Yeah. And to say, you should repent. You should change your mind about what you're doing. You should change your mind about sleeping with your girlfriend, living in sin like this. God doesn't want that. Change your mind about yeah. what God says and I, stop it. I think the church would be in a terrible place if we didn't do that. Oh, Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, it would be. Like, if we didn't tell other Christians to like hold each other accountable mm-hmm. in life and where we are spiritually, yeah. the church would be all over the place. It'd be well, messed and, up. And... and Paul tells us in yeah. Timothy that that all Scripture is God breathed and mm-hmm. it's good for doctrine, for reproof, yes, for yes. correction. It is. We we need to be doing that, and and it's cool because we see Peter doing that here with this Samaritan magician who's a recent convert to the faith. Yeah, he's telling him, "No, man, you got to live differently now. Like the way you used to do things as a magician, that is not how we do things." That is not your motive anymore. And now this is the best part. So change your mind about this wickedness, about buying the power of God, mm-hmm. not about repent so you can go to heaven. Because So repent here doesn't mean go to heaven. That's true. You're it right. It means change your mind about this horrible idea you have about buying the power of God. Yeah. Okay? All right. So what's crazy is this. Are you ready, Tyler? I'm ready. So after Peter rebukes him, listen to what Simon says in Acts 8.24. Simon the magician answered, and he said... Peter, pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you said will happen and come upon me. Wow. That's called, oh, he does repent of the wickedness. He repented. And, and that's, <laughs> that's immediate. It's immediate. Not like, it's not like, oh, and then the sun set and then no. several days later. Or, no. Oh, no, it happened immediately. He gets he corrected. When he was called out, he's like, Shoot, I messed up. <laughs> like, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so it's, I've had people, I, I seriously have had people tell me, and, and this is what gets crazy. They say, can somebody believe in Jesus and even follow him for a while, but not really be saved? And I say, no, that's impossible. Because if it you is. believe in Jesus, you impossible. have eternal life. He who has the Son has eternal life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say you have the potential to eventually get it if you perform well. It says you have it present tense now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Charles Ryrie, an old theologian, he always used to say, eternal life is not eternal if you can lose it. <laughs> Isn't that a good statement? It's true. Eternal yeah. life is not eternal if you can lose it. So I've had people say, listen, you can believe in Jesus. You can even be baptized. You can even follow after him for a while and still not be saved. And I said, that's not in scripture. And they said, oh, yes, it is. Acts chapter 8 with Simon the magician. I'm like, what are you talking about? Peter doesn't say anything about he's going to hell. He doesn't say anything about he lost justification. He just says, you've got some temporal punishment coming, man, because you have this bad intention. And this is interesting. We see in the book of Acts, Christians get 
severely disciplined by God. Yeah. Because right. of sin. Couple of things. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, mm -hmm. they sell some of their land and they want to be like Barnabas. So Barnabas sold land and he gave all the proceeds to the church. Yeah, that's right. And they think, wow, that guy's cool. So heart <laughs> attitude, right? I want to be perceived to be like that. They sold some land and then they didn't give all the money, which you don't have to. Sure, but they sure. said they were giving all the money, which is yes. a, that's called a lie. That's a lie. Even at Grand Canyon University where you went, it's called a lie, Oh, isn't really? It? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I like to make fun of Grand they Canyon. They told me, they told me it was true. Whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking the context what they Ananias lies <laughs> about how much money he's giving. And then Peter says, why are you lying to God? And then he says, you're going to die right now. And the dude dies on the spot. Young men come in, cover his face, carry him out, and bury him. Then his wife comes in a little while later, and then she makes the same claim. We're giving all the proceeds of what we sold our land for. And Peter says to her, why did you lie like your husband? The guys who just carried him out are back, and they're going to carry you out. She dies. Yeah. <laughs> These are people who are in the church Christians. That's but true. But God punished them severely yes. for some reason. In 1 Corinthians uh, 13, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30, Paul talks to the Corinthians and he says, listen, when you take communion, make sure you don't take it in an unworthy manner because some mm -hmm. of you are taking it in an unworthy manner. And he says, that's why some of you are sick and some have died. Yeah. Taking communion in an unworthy manner for the Corinthians mm -hmm. made them sick and some of them died as a result. They're Christians. They wouldn't be doing communion if they weren't Christians. They're not it's it's the yeah, church, yeah. right? So there's severe punishment for certain things in this time period and I even think to today there's severe punishment for Christians. The Bible tells us God disciplines those whom he loves. Mm, yeah. Right? A father disciplines his kid. A good dad disciplines his kids when they err. So just because bad things happen to these people doesn't mean they're going to hell for all eternity. It actually can mean God loves them, and they're being disciplined. Yeah. So yeah. so we have to read the context. We have to say, who was this guy? What does this mean? What does repent mean here? What What's the occasion that this was being said on? Yes, what does exactly. he do after this rebuke? We have to look at all of this stuff in order to understand those verses that sound extremely severe yeah, yeah. when you just read them without the context. Well, because overall, like with the context applied to the passage we covered, uh, not only... Is the the uh, the um, the attacking mm -hmm. of Simon in there like like kind of uh, given some more explanation based off of the, what he was doing and it's talking about sanctification, not mm -hmm. justification. Yes, he also repents afterwards. Yeah, so so it's not just like <laughs> oh you messed up, you're going to hell. Like, yeah, that, uh, no, he he is told what he did was wrong, that he messed up, and he changes, and he changes, and yeah. that is what. We are supposed to do as Christians. It is. He yeah. gets a bad rap, yeah. man. Like a lot of people, he, really he gets does. a bad rap. And he was a great example, actually, of a new convert who's struggling to, how do I follow Jesus? Well, th this guy should be looked at as like someone to look up to. I think I'm so. serious. Yeah. I'm serious. I agree. Because uh, people might be shocked when they hear that from me saying that just now, but it's true. Someone who messes up, mm -hmm. who is humbled yep. and doesn't try to cover up his mistake or thing, uh, like try to lie or dodge what happened. No, you know? nothing like he that. He doesn't try to make excuses. He flat out says, I messed up. Pray for me. Pray for me, man. Pray for me. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm not just going to pray for myself. I need you to pray for me too because yep. I need help. Yep, exactly. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. And so this is this rebuke of Peter is not about going to heaven when Simon dies. It is about sanctification, yep. not justification. It's about 
not it's not about getting born again. It's about growing and maturing after you're born. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so th- that's why context is so important. And we really have to do our deep diving in scripture yeah. and find out again the audience, yep. like who it's talking to, who's writing yeah, it, who's writing it, and the, yeah, observation. And then, what is it? What's there? <laughs> Sometimes you have to ask what's not there too. Like I remember <laughs> when I talked to people yeah. about this, and they say, "Well, perish obviously means hell," and I said, "Why?" And they said, well, because in other places it means hell. And I said, well, but here it doesn't say hell. It just says perish. Like, how are you inferring? Well, it says repent. So that means to believe in Jesus and go to heaven when you die. That's not what repent means. I'm pretty sure the word like perish is used throughout the Old and New Testament in other contexts. In different contexts. It is. For sure not talking about salvation. Well, that's the the problem is it's called an illegitimate totality transfer. Making a word mean the same thing everywhere it's used because it means that in one place. Well, Like the word repent in Acts 2 means to change your mind about who Jesus is and get saved. Right, right. But repent (laughs) itself doesn't mean... Well, that in every place it's used. It only means change your mind. So change your mind about what? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think another part of it, well, back to like the word perish too. Mm-hmm. I think another reason that comes into Christianese of thinking it always means go to hell is because of <laughs> the passage where it says in the beginning, uh, I mean, sorry, whoever, Believe sorry, yeah, will not perish. that's what I meant yeah, to John say. Sorry, sorry, John 3, 16. Yeah. That, uh, sorry, I got a little flustered there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, shall not perish, right? Yeah. But have everlasting life. That's exactly it. But the context of that is... Perish is contrasted with everlasting life. Well, yeah. So it's so right telling there you us can tell. what the difference is. So there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, is Christians take these popular verses yeah. in the key words in the context that are applied to there, mm-hmm. but then they try to apply that uh, other places. And that's called an illegitimate totality transfer. Yes. And, and we can't that's do that. Exactly that would what be like doing me yeah. trying to apply the, the word foot to mean 12 inches every time I see the word foot. Do you know how confused I'd be yeah, if right. I was reading like a book f- from like a foot doctor, a podiatrist? I'm reading yeah, a podiatrist right. book and I'm always assuming it means 12 inches. It would be so confusing. Uh, I couldn't understand got it. got about 12 inches right. at the bottom of my leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And rub the 12 inches as you grab their foot and make sure they're lotioning their 12 inches. What? Like, but that's what a lot of people do with the Bible because of laziness. And I, and I don't want our listeners yeah. to do that. So this is what we're going to do. I'm giving you a homework assignment. We've never done this. Well, no, we have done this about going and sharing your faith. Oh, and, you're right. And, we have. Yeah. We have. But to be good apologists, we have to know what our scriptures say. And so yeah. I want to give you a homework assignment. This is what I want you to do. I want you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And what I want you to really zoom in on is what do verses 9 and 10 mean? 2 Corinthians 7 verses 9 and 10. What do these verses mean? Now, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to say, what does repentance mean in these verses? What does salvation mean in these verses? What is the situation that Paul is describing in this chapter? What is he talking about? And who is this letter written to? Who is 2 Corinthians written to? Is it written to Christians or is it written to non-Christians? And I want you to look through yeah. the book. I want you to see, okay, who who's the audience? What's the situation? What is Paul referring to in, in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10? Because I've heard people use these verses out of context a lot. And I want you to do good Bible study, take some time, mm-hmm. get a good cup of coffee, take a half hour, an hour, read through chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians a few times, and start to think through these questions. What does repentance mean in this passage? Change of mind about what? Yeah. Salvation from what? Saved from what? 
right? What's the situation Paul describes about the sorrowful letter that he writes? And who are the Corinthians? Are they saved people or are they unsaved people? Yeah. And yeah. what we want you to do is we want you to do that and then comment to us what you think those verses mean on our social media. Yeah, you can please comment do on that. Facebook, you can comment on Twitter, or, yeah, or you can send us a message. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send us a message. I want to hear what you think verses nine and ten of Second Corinthians seven mean after, not knee-jerk reaction. So yeah. don't just read it and go, oh, this is what, obviously what it means. No, no, no. Take some time to study it in context and come to a conclusion as to what Paul was saying to the Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys go ahead and do this, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll send you something. If who you, knows? Yeah. Maybe Tyler will send you something. Maybe I will. No, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we might. We might. We've got. We've actually got some uh, – I'm not going to announce what it is, but we've got some cool stuff in the mix. Some stuff that's being made yeah. currently mm-hmm. that we're going to be getting pretty soon and we're going to use for uh, giveaways and purchases and stuff like that. It's true. It's true. But regardless, uh, I mean, we're just going to let you be on the fence. We're not going to give you a straight answer if we're going to give you something or not. But go ahead and let us know. Yeah. Yeah, Because we just want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. This is so healthy for us as Christians. Like we're supposed to study scriptures. We're supposed to dive in deep. We're supposed to be approved workmen who are not ashamed, who accurately divide the word of truth, is what Paul told Timothy. That's who we're supposed to be. So take some time this week. Take a half hour or or an hour at most Mm. to go through 2 Corinthians 7, and then let us know what you have concluded based on the context of that chapter. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Yep. Okay? So yeah, so thank you guys again so much for joining us today in Christ Culture and Coffee. Uh, again, if you aren't already, please go ahead and follow us on all of our social platforms. Yes, please do. Yeah, we're we're on pretty much everything except except Snapchat right now. I don't so even know what that is. I'm yeah, old. Right? <laughs> what is that? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's supposed to be this thing with pictures. I'm not. We're also it. not on the talk. On the talk. The TikTok. Oh, right. that's yeah. what my cool friends call it. The talk. I don't know why. Why so many people are going there? It, like, like even like businesses and pages. It's a. It's like a video app. Like, I why? Don't know, I, man. I don't know. Anyway, make sure you follow <laughs> us on everything that's out there. We're and also, if you haven't already, please, 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 please go on to iTunes and give us a five star review because yeah. when you do that, uh, it boost us on the analytics for iTunes and more people will be exposed to the podcast. So if you want more people to hear the truth, you want more people to be able to uh, defend their faith and be confident in their faith, go ahead and give us a review. Uh, Heck, even if you hate us, go ahead and give us a review. That's fine. (laughs) Just make sure it's Five stars. Yeah, you can leave five us stars a, is fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I'm, I don't leave care us a nasty comment if you want, but just as long as it's five stars, that's <laughs> cool. Okay, that's what we like. Right, yep. yeah. Hey guys, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ yeah. Culture and Coffee, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.